This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. Miracle working God. If you're guests, we're glad you're here. If you're a regular, I'm glad you're here. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high on our ushers. We get you a Bible, then we will begin this morning in Galatians 5. Just as you've seen, we're still on our series here on a critical spirit. So we begin here, just a couple God thoughts for you real quick. And if you need a Bible, keep your hand up real high and they'll get you one. I heard this years ago and I think it's still the same. There's a guy who said, I like your Christ. I just don't like your Christians because they're so unlike your Christ. And when I read that and say that, I, I wonder how many of this applies to me. And so in Matthew 5.44, the Lord Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Now that's God's way of doing it. Bless those who curse you. The devil would say, curse those who curse you. And so what's gonna happen here this morning with each one of us, I'm, I'm gonna resemble my, my heavenly father, Father God, or I'm gonna resemble the devil. And the Lord said that in, in John 8, 44. He said, you're like your father, the devil. So we begin here today, and let's just let the scriptures help us. So Galatians chapter five, verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. It's, it's summarized by this one precept or this one statement, which is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when we lose the motivation of love, then we become critical. Don't care who we are. So our motivation is always the love. He goes on to say in verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, if, if you choose self-love to bite and devour, and so I'm looking at the word bite and devour, and the Passion Translation gives us great insight of what that means. It says this, if you continue to criticize and come against each other. Now, interesting statement. He said, look at the end result, lest you be consumed by one another. That ultimately, when we just bite and devour, we'll be consumed, we'll destroy one another. Now, we can go in that direction, but the Apostle Paul, I believe, he's going to give us insight on what we need to do. In verse 16, he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. That word walk there is, is proof of ability, but it also means a, a progression, a steady progress in, in grace, which the Holy Spirit both empowers and monitors us. So he gives us insight here. He says, walk in the Spirit, and if you'll walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust, the appetites, the craving of the flesh. Only if you walk in the spirit. There's no other option. This, this is part of the significance of being filled with the Holy Spirit right here. The Holy Spirit is the guide. He's the empowerer in this. And so he said, if you'll allow to, the Holy Spirit to move within you, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 15. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another. 
They oppose one another. They're in conflict with one another. And so he ends this and says, so that you do not, you do, not do the things that you wish. How many have ever done that? That's happened. I, I'm, I'm doing what I don't want to do. So what Paul's getting over here is there's this tug of war that's going on. And the Holy Spirit is wanting to help constrain us. He's wanting to help us when we allow it. Keep reading. Verse number 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We're under grace. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So what's getting ready to happen is the Apostle Paul is going to give all these descriptions of the works of the flesh. I believe it's important that we look at these and heed these because I want you to see, he said, these are the works of the flesh. We begin there in verse 19. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness, which are all sexual sins. Idolatry and sorcery, which is witchcraft or pagan. Then he gets ready and he's going to list nine. Nine manifestations that come off of anger. And it's interesting to me how many of these come out of my mouth. And he goes on to say, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies. Now listen to some of the translations of this. Senseless arguments, divisions, dissensions, peculiar opinions or ones that are loved with their own opinions, envy. And he goes on and ends and he says, drunkenness and revelries unlike the which I tell beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh-oh. Was there any check marks by those that would pertain to your life or mine? And so he begins to warn us of some of the works of the flesh that I believe they come, they come out of our mouth. Now I stopped right there, but if we were to keep going, he gets over in verses 22 and 23 on what we call the fruit of the Spirit. Every tree will be known by its fruit. And so when you see the fruit of the Spirit, he's telling us there's fruit that the Holy Spirit can, can put within us. Only the Holy Spirit can do this. There's nine of them. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and meekness. Now, I'd be willing to bet we all need every one of those. I stopped today, but there's nine. But when I read those, are there certain ones of the fruit that really jump out to you? I mean, there's one in my life that it's, it's like it's continually. I, I need more of the fruit of self-control. And that even means in, into my mouth. That many times we, we, we speak before we think. And so right here, he's telling us the Holy Spirit wants to help us. Now go back to your left just to, a little bit to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to dive in this a little more. This is still the Apostle Paul talking here. And he, he gives us great insight. And so I'm going to start in Romans 8 verse 5. But I want to highlight something you'll see in the word. Romans 8, 5, 6, and 7. All are going to talk about our mind. Our thinking process. 
Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word of God. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So I want you to see the apostle Paul's thoughts right here on our mind. Verse 5, Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to their flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. And so you zero in with your mind on the things of the flesh, my thinking again. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So Paul lays out here two directions of life, and he's getting ready to show us the ultimate consequence of each one. So he goes on to say in verse 6, for to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. Now, to, to have a flesh mind, that doesn't mean you're just going to fall over and croak dead. That's not what that's talking about. But you're going to have a death-like existence while you have a, a mind of the flesh. He goes on to say, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, let me ask you something right here. Which one would you rather have in your life? A death life existence or life in peace? It's a pretty no-brainer. Verse 7. Because the carnal or the flesh mind is enmity or hostility against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So when I live by the flesh, I, I isolate the things of God, the Spirit of God. doesn't matter who we are. And so off of this, how's your thought life? Have you been dating the devil? Have you and the devil been romancing? See, again, when it comes to my thought life, I, I, can't, I can't treat the thought like it never came, but I cast it down in Jesus' name. Now, to help you with that thought right there, I can't keep the birds from flying over my head but I sure can't keep them from nesting in my hair. So what does that mean? Thoughts are going to come to every one of us. But if I don't capture those thoughts, before long I begin to meditate on those things. And the thing that I meditate on, before long I begin to do it. So when you get crazy thoughts, anybody in here has some crazy thoughts? I mean crazy thoughts. I had crazy thoughts. And I cast them down in Jesus' name. I don't listen to them. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. I, I can't please God when I live by the flesh. Verse number 12, therefore, brethren, fellow believers, we are not debtors or obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now listen real close to verse 13. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so the putting of the death is any sin in our hearts, our minds, my words, and even my deeds. And if you'll note here, it's only by the Spirit, only by the Spirit's power are you going to whip the, the flesh, okay? Okay. I, I got to have the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, if Jesus is Lord of your life, that's the only prerequisite there is, I find in the Bible, for being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit day by day by day. And so he's the one that, that helps me to overcome the things of my flesh. So even with this, the things of my mouth, my judgmental or critical mouth. Now turn with me way back to the last book of the Bible, Revelations chapter 12. Revelations chapter number 12. And this passage is going to become very eye-opening to us. Every one of us in here, we're either going to act like our heavenly father or we're going to act like the devil. I don't know about you. I don't want to give the devil place at my table. I don't want him to have a say-so in my life. But there's times in our life we resemble the devil. And this is what I believe this passage of scripture is going to reveal to us. When and how it looks like when I resemble the devil. Verse number nine. So the great dragon was cast out. That was the serpent of old called the devil and Satan. He's been around a long time. He was cast out. What does that mean? He was cast out of heaven. In other words, the devil got the boot. God booted him out of heaven. Keep reading. The serpent of old called the devil, Satan, who deceives the world. This is his means of, of leading people astray. He, he influences them with false impressions and in their thinking. So when you see he deceives the whole world, he deceives us in our thinking. He begins to play mind games with us in our thinking. Every one of us. This is how the enemy's gonna go after you. He deceives, and it says, and he deceives the whole world. Not part of it. Keep reading. He was cast to earth, and his angels were cast out with him. What this is talking about is when the devil rebelled against God, he got the boot and it said the angels were, were cast out with him. These angels are the ones that are, are referenced in Ephesians 6 verse 12. They're fallen angels. So a third of them got the boot too. Now, if you pay close attention to verse 9, where did it say they were cast to? To the earth. The devil's forwarding, forwarding address is right here on the earth. So whether we like it or not, as long as we're on the earth, we have an enemy called the devil. He has a legal right to be here. He hates your guts, okay? He's not your friend. And understand this with the devil. He's not some Hollywood figure that runs around with a little pointed uh, fork poking people in the rump. That's not the devil. His mission statement is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's exactly what he wants to do to me and you. And he tries to, to strike fear within us. He tries to deceive us day after day. But God had an answer for every bit of that. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now, salvation, now strength, 
Now the kingdom of our God and now the power of his Christ has come. So what this means right here is the authority that we have in Jesus' name, it's now. Every one of us, when you give your heart to Jesus, you have a right to use the name of Jesus, and he says, now. Now watch this in verse 10, because this is where it gets real interesting. For the accuser of our brethren, who has accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. It references here the accuser. Do you know accuser is one of Satan's names? An accuser actually means one against you. One that has filed a charge, a crime or a false against you. It means to speak against the person. Now there's another word that I got to highlight for you that I saw of this. It's the word Diablo. How many of you know what the word Diablo means? Thank you. Diablo is mentioned 34 times in the Bible as a title for Satan. The word Diablo actually has the meaning a passive voice, a verbal assault, the destructive work of accusation. Diablo means murder with the tongue. It has the meaning of a gossiper, a slanderer, a critical person, an opinionated person. So what this means right here is that when me and you begin to accuse other people or we have accusations, we act like the devil. You become little Lucifer, Diablo Jr., and when I read that the other day, I thought, I don't want to act like the devil. I don't want no part of the devil. But any time in our lives where we think it's okay to accuse, we're modeling what the devil does. And it says he is the accuser of the brethren. He is the accuser of the, the children of God. Now, I want you to think back last week. We were in John 8. Back in John 8, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the rulers, they accused Jesus. This was the woman that was caught in adultery. In John 8, verses 10, the, the Lord Jesus looked and he said to the woman, he said, where are those accusers of yours? Where are those diablos of yours? Where are those slanders of yours? And so I began to look at this over and over and over again. That the accusations is what the devil is, not what we do. God has not called us to do that. Now I want you to keep reading because there's something that silences the accusations. Verse 11. And they, who's they? The brethren, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. What this literally means is the blood of Jesus, it answers all the enemy's accusations. And, and the blood has satisfied all the charges against him. So when we think about the blood of Jesus, it's the only thing that can wash away our sin. But if I'm guilty of being a person 
that is an accuser, I have accusation. What would happen if I begin to pray the blood of Jesus over my tongue? Father God, not only do I ask you to wash me from sin, I ask you to wash my tongue. The blood of Jesus is a cleanser. But he doesn't stop there. Look what he says next. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You know what the word of our testimony is? We declare out of our mouth the ultimate victory of Jesus. We declare Christ's ultimate victory with our own lips. We declare his his continued move in our life, the redemptive work in our lives, and we declare his abiding faith in the accomplished work of Jesus. So part of the way we, we start declaring those things over our life, what Jesus did. I encourage you to find those things that Jesus did for you because the Bible is very clear. You can have what God says you can have. You can be what God says you can be and you can do what God says you can do. And so that's the way we overcome the accusing voice. So let me throw something in here. According to Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2, it says, judge not that you be not judged. Why is that important? Because with the same measure or standard that you use, it'll be measured back to you. So we've heard this now for a number of weeks. How many of you believe the Bible's true? I hope all of us. So if, if we believe the Bible is true, when we judge, we criticize, or we condemn another human being, according to the Bible, it said that it's going to come back to us measure for measure, didn't it? So exactly what it said. So a couple years back, I, I had had some issues with my life, and the Lord was saying the problem is with your tongue. The things that you say out of your mouth. And so one of the things the Lord impressed on my heart, he said, now here's what I want you to do. After everything you say, at the end of it, tag it with, and that's just the way I want it to be. Now let me give you an illustration of what was going on in my life. If I made the comment, we're always broken, we never have enough money, then at the end I would tag it with, and that's just the way I want it to be. Somebody in my family's always sick, and that's just the way I want it to be. My marriage sucks, and that's just the way I want it to be. So again, what this began to do, it began to locate me because of things that were coming out of my mouth. That's not how I wanted it to be, but death and life are in the power of the tongue. So now we go to another area of the power of my tongue is when I become critical of another person. So I use Gloria right here on the front row, and I say, Gloria is an idiot. Now, if I believe that, I'm going to receive measure for measure the judgment I give. Guess what? That's just the way I want it to be. So it boomerangs back at me. Glory's not an idiot. I'm actually the idiot. And that's just the way I want it to be. So in this, it began to change the way I was critical or judgmental. How many have ever watched something on, on the TV, the news, and you get mad at a person and you make a derogatory comment toward them? Just bang. That's just the way I want it to be. So it began to change me. And I began to look at this and I thought, I, I don't want to be the accuser of the brethren. I don't want to act like the devil. 
One last passage this morning and get ready. This is a good one, James chapter three. Just back to your left, just a couple books. James chapter number three. See, we have the thing in the United States called the Constitution. Our first amendment in our Constitution is a thing called the freedom of speech. The problem with that is speech isn't free. Actually, it's very costly. Very costly. James 3, verse 1. My brethren, people who are born again, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive the stricter judgment. You don't want to be a teacher if you want to come under stricter judgment. You know why a teacher is going to come under stricter judgment? Because the things they speak out of their mouth. Verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. Yes, we have, and yes, I am. And if you'll notice something in there, it said, for we all stumble in many things. That person next to you is stumbling many things just like you are. For we all, pretty humbling. We all stumble in many things. Now listen to this real closely. If anyone does not stumble in word, if anyone does not stumble with what he is saying. Now think about this right here. If anyone does not stumble in word, there must be a high possibility that the things that I say out of my mouth can cause me to stumble. Keep reading. For he who does not stumble in word is a perfect man. That word perfect, it means complete, sound, whole. But the best one I think is a perfect man denotes maturity. The person that does not stumble in word is a mature person. Every one of us in here begin to shrink right now, don't we? Everyone. So how, how do you view a mature Christian? Probably someone that's swift to hear and slow to speak, according to the Bible. Now, this last phrase right here in verse 2, this is one that you need to mark in your Bible. Write this down because he ends and says, For the perfect man, Abel, is also to bridle the whole body. Whoa. How do I bridle the whole body? The person that does not stumble in word or the person who's become very selective in his words. He said right here, it will bridle or will keep the whole body in check. What does? <laughs> be careful, little tongue, what you say. You better be careful. So I'm reading that and I said, Father God, Holy Spirit, I, I need an upgrade in this. I, I, need, 
need help with this. If my tongue has the ability to bridle my whole body, you know what the tongue is doing all day long? It's sending out little things to your entire body. Wow. Now don't think the tongue isn't powerful. So let me paraphrase the next couple of verses. He likens the tongue to that of putting a bit in the horse's mouth. What is a bit in the horse's mouth? Whoa, whoa. It tells him when to stop, tells him when to go. What? This little piece of metal in his mouth. Then the next one he gets over on is a rudder on the ship. And he likens this little piece called a rudder to this massive cruise ship. And that little rudder has the ability to chart the entire course of that ship. It all likens that to you and me's tongue. What would happen next week if some of these husbands came walking in their wife had this, this metal bit in their mouth and had these. I would probably be one of the first ones with that, that bit in my mouth. See, James here has given us insight on how powerful your tongue is. Do you know the number one reason children fail is the words that have been spoken over them? Accusations. You're stupid. You'll never amount to nothing. You're as dumb as a rock. You're going to end up just like your daddy. See the voice of accusation again? Wow. Same chapter, verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. You know what that means? You can't enroll at Lubbock Christian University and take taming the tongue 101. Not going to happen. No man can tame the tongue. Listen to what he goes on to say about the tongue. It is an unruly evil and the tongue is full of deadly poison. So if no man can tame the tongue, what do we got? What, what, what can we do? Well, here's a good, good thought for you. God can tame it and the Holy Spirit can tame it. God can help us. The Holy Spirit can bring self-control into our tongue. I believe every one of us, another powerful impact of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said that, that God said, I'm going to send you another helper. That's John 16. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. You know why the Holy Spirit is going to help us? Because we need help. Where do we need help? One of the areas I need help with my tongue. Now watch what he goes on to say. With it, with our tongue, we bless our God and our Father, and with it, our tongue, we curse men who've been made in the similitude or the likeness of God. Can I help you with that? We bless God, and we curse men. You know what that looks like? We come in here this morning, we raise a hallelujah. Ooh, bless the Lord, God, you're so good, you're so good. And many of us, we don't even get out of the parking lot until we start cursing fellow man. How about this? I'm a saint on Sunday, Woo, we raise a hallelujah, but on Monday I'm acting like little Lucifer again. 
Now listen to what he said about that thought. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, Christians, born again, these things ought not to be so. In other words, when I bless someone, it's aimed at people. When I curse someone, it's aimed at people. Now you gotta give yourself a grade right now. How many of you are better at blessing people or cursing people? Well, some of you would say, well, it depends on who I'm around. See, you know what that means? We got a problem. We got a problem. These things ought not to be so. In other words, James was saying, knock it off. Verse 11, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? No, it can't. You're either gonna get one or the other. Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, uh, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. You bless folk, you're gonna get blessings. You curse folk, you're going to get curses. It becomes that simple. And so when I began prepping this week for all this, oh my gosh, it seemed like I was going to the principal's office every day. I was going before the Lord and just over and over, over and over I'd begin to repent. Over and over I'd begin to repent. And I go back and I think about every bit of this from the beginning. I don't want to be carnally minded. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I, I, I don't want to be somebody that is opinionated. I, I'm envy. The dissensions and the divisions I can cause from, I don't want to be that. And so anytime we repent of our sins, how do you repent of your sin? From your mouth. If you'll confess your sin before me, I'm faithful and just not only to forgive you, but I'll cleanse you. It, it takes from your mouth to repent. How do you get born again? Part of the process of getting born again, I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart, but it's again my mouth. The power, do you know half of your eternity will be what you confess out of your mouth? And so when we repent of our sin, I ask Father God to cleanse me, not only to forgive me, but to cleanse me. I, I need a cleansing today. I, I need the Holy Spirit to go to work. I need a grace today. And what I sense each week with this is God's trying to elevate us. See, anytime God prunes us, and I believe this is what's going on. If any of you got pruned, I had people this morning say, oh my gosh, Pastor, last week I lost limbs. Does anybody feel like you're getting pruned in this? You know, when you're getting pruned, it's not fun. It's not fun. Sometimes God can come out with those little bitty pruners. And sometimes he gets a little bigger and then sometimes he comes out with his one. And then sometimes you hear him. You're like, oh God, my head, this time he's got me. 
But I want you to think about this. Anytime God desires to prune us, he has a harvest in mind. He's elevating. I believe this is what's going on. He's, he's elevating us. He's saying, I got a harvest for you. Why don't you stand up here with me? It's the goodness of God. Just the goodness of God. You know, in my humanity, I may go a couple days. And then one little thing can trigger you. It may be getting on the loop Monday morning today. One little thing, an idiot. Just one, and I, I look in my mirror of my pickup and I'm like, oh God, forgive me. Here we go again. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he'll get back up. God's working. I want you to bow your head right there where you're at. Father God, we thank you for your word today that locates us. Father God, you, you addressed us as brethren, as believers, as children of the Most High. Father God, right now, if you feel comfortable, raise your hand. Keep your head bowed. Just raise your hands here. This is between you and God. Father God, as people of God, if there's areas in our life right now that we've been judgmental, critical, we've been accusers, the diablo, the slander, we, we stand before you. Father God, tell him, I'm sorry, Father God, I, I repent of that. I, I, I repent of the words that come out of my mouth. I, I repent of being judgmental and critical, opinionated, having the last word always. And Father God, you said in 1 John 1, 9 that if I would repent and confess my sin before you, you would forgive me, but also you would cleanse me. And so Lord, right now we ask you to cleanse us. And every one of us in here on, on this Sunday, the 23rd, we ask that your blood would wash our, our minds and our tongues. Now, that's an act of faith right now, but there's times in your life, I believe it's important that you put your, your hand on your head, Lord. Wa wash my mind in the blood. Wash my tongue in the blood. Wash my eyes in the blood, Lord. Cleanse me. And right now, Father God, we ask you to grace us. Holy Spirit, we know we can't tame the tongue, but you can. And so we welcome you right now. We welcome the tongue tamer to come on the inside of us and help us. Our team's getting ready to play. And if there's any of these areas in your life, you just say, I, I want a touch from God today. See, again, we're, we're called to swim upstream in a downstream world. What that means, we're not supposed to go with the flow. And sometimes in our life we look around and, and we make excuses and we rationalize and we have the thought, everybody's doing it. Well, just because everybody's doing it doesn't make it right. And so it's like the Lord saying, there needs to be a, a separating today. Or you say, you know what, Father God, I'm part of the brethren and I, I'm gonna live differently through your grace and your help today. So as they sing here, man, I, I welcome you. Just come before God. 
And I believe he's going to touch our hearts. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.